Okay, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahirrahmanirrahim. Allahumma salli wa sallim wa ala bandina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi atrahim. Dan shinoor kamalakha. We mark therapy. Right. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. We are back again in Al-Madinah uh, al The beautiful city and the view is being blocked. Do you guys think you know what it is? That's what that's what we're not saying as well. I'm enjoying So it's a very nice view, mashallah. Um so alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah again we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for uh his father, his grace and his uh blessings upon us. Uh, some of us are even more fortunate than some of you. And that we've already been enjoying the blessings in the other of the holiest, the holiest of places. So, Alhamdulillah, in Al-Quds, uh, in Masjid Al-Aqsa. So that itself was a uh, was an experience. And now, Alhamdulillah, we are in the city of the Prophet Sallallahu um, You know, something that uh, I shared with Dodo, Do- obviously not everybody here has, uh, was there, but um, the... Uh, um, Get this thing going, then I can concentrate. Okay, let's see, where's our portal? Yeah, one of the things that um, we were speaking about um, to the group that was there at Asa was um, when we were explaining the verses of Surah Al-Isra, right? And in Surah Al-Isra, at the beginning, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, obviously honors both the Prophet sallam, and honors uh, Masjid Al-Aqsa, right? Honors and puts. But also uh, indicates that another masjid, another great place was going to come without even mentioning it, right? That's what we said. So those folks who haven't heard that before, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, honoring of the Prophet sallallahu by calling him his servant. من المسجد الحرامي إلى المسجد الأقصى right from المسجد الحرامي مكة to المسجد الأقصى which means to the furthest mosque indicating that there's a mosque that's not so far that's also to come as the scholars said indicating that another masjid another place or other locations would be coming at a time where the Prophet was alone uh, in Mecca with only one masjid with only one uh, location of sanctity um, and that's where we are now. I mean, it's, uh, it's, uh, you couldn't pick it up how fortunate we are, how blessed we are to be able to be given this opportunity at a time of such instability, at a time where expense is so high and everything is all going through the roof that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala facilitated for us to be able to, to do this. So anyway, just alhamdulillah, a thousand times alhamdulillah. All right, folks, um, what we're going to do is, um, is basically eat for the rest of the lesson <laughs> because we have a crazy 
table, yeah, a crazy table. We don't want to show the folks because then they come <coughs> and they put Nazar upon us. They're not very mashallah type folks. <laughs> <laughs> Have that much confidence and say, Masha'Allah, Masha'Allah, and be genuine about it. They might do like, you know, attack, Masha'Allah, like, oh, Masha'Allah. <laughs> so that's not the ones we want. We want some genuine Masha'Allahs when they really actually are happy for our happiness. But I, you know, if I saw man's energy, all that kind of behavior, I don't think I'd be happy for happiness. We have a few special things here, by the way. I mean, obviously, great chocolate is the greatest in the whole, in the whole planet. So that's great. But this one here, we should actually start. I don't know why I'm going to hang around for. Normally, when we're in the in the live session, then um, we're uh, sorry at back to Shido, Then the problem is, of course, we've got salah coming up, right? And so we're kind of restricted because then it'll get stuck in the teeth, and, then... <laughs> and so it's a bit tough. However, that's changing when we go back. When we start again, the next live on-site session is going to be after Isha, and that's when we really stop ourselves and enjoy the best because there's no prayer coming up. Anyway. Uh, virtue of Fatima Mubarak, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward her, with her pastor's finest sweets. Okay, so uh, this was actually, you see, this is again the other, right? She bought it for our LP lesson, which is meant to be on Monday. Monday. Yeah. What happened? What happened? Lack of internet. Oh, no, 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 they might as well have it. Oh. <laughs> so if you pass that round, open it up and uh, knock yourselves out. And uh, who's going to take this one? Have you really taken this one? You know, I'll see you both. Okay. But that looks good. This can happen afterwards. And whatever. It's very important for us to do this live on camera. Okay, because <laughs> there's never been as much hate offered by people as such as online LPs. <laughs> and so I think personally that what needs to happen, they need to become desensitized to this hate. So the more that we keep showing them us, stopping ourselves, enjoying ourselves, enjoying life, then maybe they'll stop hating and then maybe they'll not really get the the, uh, the the problem. Anyway, uh, right, let's jump into this uh, uh, today. So for folks, there's obviously, as usual, always a few people that are first time to, listen, this is not a one-one sweet behavior. This is 510. We're not getting on the, honestly, everyone taking one little sweet, take a load, you know, it's not going anywhere else. This is it, this is a, this is, tonight's the night. Tonight is the way it all happens, all right? Um, uh, uh, you know, by the way, Marina's online, yeah? <laughs> Marina is the number, it's so good that she's not here, right? Because she was with us literally two days ago, we couldn't even eat or drink anything, right? Without feeling guilty. Now she's there, or uh, have a mukbang or whatever the class is. No, wait, mukbang is the, 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 the no, mukbang's not food. I thought mukbang was the food. Why don't you watch people eat, right? Mukbang? It's my plan, yeah, whatever. I thought she was talking about her. What's that? Dodgy tea called? Vodka. Vodka. Kabucha. Kabucha. That's her thing, isn't it? You know, yeah. tasteless, pointless, calorieless, demagogues, you know. She loves all that stuff and she gets very angry and upset when we have chocolates and sweets and stuff. Yeah. Alhamdulillah, she's at home enjoying her kombucha and whatever. <laughs> and we'll do the chocolates, isn't it? Right. Anyway, we miss you, Marina. We're on drugs. Right. Um, so, where are we today? So, for those who have not uh, uh, done logical progression before, um, it's uh, we're into year 11 now. 10 years done, now into year 11, of slowly and taking it easy, going through 
um, FIC, which is basically Islamic legal practice. And uh, what we're doing is um, covering um, the, the essential issues that we need for our day-to-day -day life. We've done purity and purification and uh, substances and all that kind of stuff. And then we moved into the prayer and then a lot about the prayer and the preparation for the prayer. And now we're in the congregational prayer section. So now we're talking about uh, the various scenarios that come up when you're praying behind an imam. And that's a very complex issue, of course. People can do all kinds of crazy stuff, right? Um, so you need to know basic rules. And in addition, in addition to basic rules, you also need to know um, uh, uh, what happens in unique circumstances. And I think something, right? A lot of the times you, you kind of study fiqh, right? And you think that, uh, you know, how's that ever going to happen? Right? Like today, for example, we'll be discussing the difference, if we get there, I don't know if we get there or not, but um, we'll be discussing the difference between uh, getting ahead of the imam on purpose versus getting ahead of the imam by mistake versus getting ahead of the imam just a little bit versus getting ahead of the imam just a lot. You're going to see this debate about, you know, one rukan, half a rukan and two rukans. Like, you know, for example, an imam goes into rukur, but you're, you've gone into sujood. And what, that, what impact that has on the prayer. You'll see that some scholars say the prayer is invalidated. You've been thinking, hey, which father is going to do that? <laughs> which father is that? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Right? These things happen. Now, obviously, in a normal class, you wouldn't be covering that kind of stuff. But it's an advanced class, right? This is an advancement class. Um, there's space. There's space. Come in, guys. If you guys come this way, yeah? Right, you, you three bring your kind of weight in here. I want to leave a bit more space so I can stand up. Now, leave that chair and I take the chair. Take the chair. Sit down there. Yeah, let's move the chair. You guys just come this end. You know what? Just move the soap around the There you are. That's it. And now you can bring yourself straight up. That's it. You need a path in the middle. Then everything can be in the All right. So, um, all those things. Yeah, so these are, they, they, they do come across as a little bit kind of, um, uh, what's the word? Kind of out there, but they do happen. You do need to know this is an advanced class. Obviously, if we've studied 11 years and we're still stuck in the chapter of prayer, we have every other chapter of book left. And clearly, we are going into detail. You know, that's, it is what it is. All right. So um, we're on page 177. Uh, someone going to show me some love and post the text? Uh, with that, Mesa, anybody? Yeah, always someone put something down for me in terms of the text so I can read it. It'd be much easier for you to do that than me to, unless I've got the study material. Oh, yeah, I have. Oh, my no. Someone's going to have to post it. Anyway, while they're trying to post it online, I will say that what we covered last week, right? That there is no recitation for the one who is behind the imam. And of course, we spoke about Sheikh Utamin's position. Sheikh Utamin says that it doesn't matter whether you can hear the imam or you can't hear the imam. Meaning a silent prayer or a loud prayer you are obligated to recite Fatiha by yourself. We went with the position of the majority, and that is that um, in the quiet prayer, you will recite it. And when the prayer out loud uh, is being uh, recited in the prayer, then you will follow it as opposed to have to recite it at the same time. But we acknowledge that Sheikh Ademi's position is a very solid position, actually. It has all the evidences 
with it as well. And if a person was to practice that, then certainly he would not be far off the mark with what is required. So anyway, um, that's so that's something I think which is important for us to, to, to consider in terms of his uh, position. Now, um, then the uh, Sheikh says, uh, uh, and وَإِذَا لَمْ يَسْمَعْهُ لِبُعْدٍ لَا لِطَرَشٍ وَيَسْتَفْتِحُ وَيَسْتَعِيذُ فِيمَا يَجْهَرُ فِيهِ إِمَامُهُ وَمَنْ رَكَعَ أَوْ سَجَدَ قَبْلَ إِمَامِهِ فَعَلَيْهِ أَنْ يَرْفَعَهِ لِيَأْتِ بِهِ بَعْدَهُ فَإِنْ لَمْ يَفْعَلْ عَمْدًا بَطَلَتْ I don't think we're going to go past that. Alright, so that's what we're going to be covering today. What does the, that translate as? That there is no recitation for the follower. All right, this is the humbly position. All right, there is no recitation upon the follower. However, it is recommended to recite during when the Imam is silent. That basically is talking about Dhuhr and Asr. The Isra of the uh, uh, Imam, I mean. Was sukutihi in his pauses. And the pauses are referring to the Fajr, Maghrib, and Isha. The pauses in which it, becomes, it goes quiet. So that's referring to uh, the gap before Fatiha starts, all right? Even, that's what they said. The gap between before Fatiha starts, it refers to uh, between, you know, Fatiha and Surah, you know, like these kind of things. And we'll speak about that in a little bit as well. Um, and also he is to recite, or it is recommended to recite, again, humbly position, Shepard Dimin will be saying so obligatory to recite in all of these. <coughs> Must, there's no prayer without the Fatiha. But the humbly position and the, the others, they're saying no, um, it is just recommended. Um, the other scenario, وَإِذَا لَمْ يَسْمَعْهُ لِبُعْدٍ لَا لِطَرَشْ And if you are um, so far away from your imam that you can't hear him. So he's actually reciting, but it's very, very noisy and everybody's being affected. Or he's so far away, um, then you, uh, it's recommended for you to recite then. However, not in the case if you have a specific problem. For example, you're deaf, okay? For example, you're deaf, or for example, you are being specifically individually disturbed by some kind of disturbance, and it's not affecting the rest, then not for this reason. You don't need to recite for this reason. I'll explain that in a minute as well. And a person opens up by saying, Subhanak Allahumma, uh, and uh, this is al istiftah this is the dua that you said at the beginning. Subhanak Allahumma wa this is the dua of istiftah Meaning, he says, When the Imam is reciting out loud. When the Imam is reciting out loud. And I'll speak about that in a second as well. Okay, so I'll explain all of this. That's the text. And now we go into our uh, commentary. Now, from the point of view of um, last week's lesson, we still have something to finish off. And that is, when you've joined the Imam, so we're now speaking about the recitation behind the imam. We know that from our class position that if the imam is reciting, we are not going to recite. If the imam is reciting out loud, then we do not have to recite. Shepherd that means that you have to. There is another exception to the rule, and that is if the imam is in Rukua. If the imam is in Rukua, then you join the imam in Rukua, and this is the exception, the single exception that even scholars like Shepherd mean accept that you will recite the Fatiha. Now remember what they're saying, they're saying that you must recite the Fatiha because the Prophet said that there's no prayer except with the opening <coughs> of the book, i.e. the Fatiha. 
But then they recognize that if you were to join the Imam in the Ruhua, then automatically this would be dropped from you. So it shows that even hadith which are so strong and so clear have exceptions. So that's a, that's a, that's a useful point to uh, remember. Now, uh, in terms of the um, uh, joining of an imam and joining late, we did cover some of these things. There is more to come later as well, but there's one or two things that we haven't spoken about. For example, when is it considered that you've actually uh, uh, caught the prayer? When, when is it actually, when have you caught, uh, well, I say the prayer, I mean the, the, the raka'ah. Right, the actual unit. We know the hadith that man whoever catches the ruku'ah has caught the rak'ah. Yeah? So you're always looking to see, hopefully, that when you come to the masjid and the imam either does Allah or Akbar and goes into ruku'ah, then you kind of join him. Or what's more likely is that you come and he's already in ruku'ah. So then you come and then you make your takbir. That's nice and easy case. Never is it that simple, right? In real life, it's all some kind of judgment call of have I made it, not made it, did I say it, did you not say it? It's a mess, right? It's really tough. And it's difficult as well to be able to try to work out what the correct opinion is. The scholar and imam, uh, in my opinion, of Medina, Sheikh Muhammad Muqtar al-Shantizi, who is still teaching every week? Thursday? Still? Between Maghrib and Isha? On the break at moment. Then he comes. Huh? He, he comes. Is he going to learn? Is it true? Yeah, is he, he, he comes like every month or so. Oh, he's only doing once a month, huh? SubhanAllah. So obviously back in the day, he used to be doing the regular uh, lessons and we use his notes as well sometimes to add a little bit of masala basically to Sheikh Uthameen's uh, positions. He's written something very interesting actually. Um, and I was writing some notes earlier on about his position. And I mean, not all scholars agree with this, right? But Sheikh Muhammad Mukhtar's uh, position on at what moments have you been considered to have caught the report? And I'm going to just read out a summary, and you'll, you'll understand now what I mean by how surprising this is, okay? So for example, he says that um, uh, in, the, in, the, in, in the first situation, um, a person will come and uh, he will go down, right? So he'll go in, so he comes, he goes, and he comes, and we're gonna, we're gonna just pause here, take a time out. And remember the last lesson that we did in year 10, that lesson was considering the takbir, right? Now, takbir al-ihram, Allahu Akbar, entering the prayer, is an absolute rukun of the prayer. It's a fundamental. Every other takbir in the prayer is just an <coughs> obligation. Yeah? So it's not at the level of rukun. As a result, if you mess up or miss one of the takbirs during the prayer, it's covered if you're following, following an imam, and if you're praying by yourself, you do a certain at the end. Whereas uh, if you forgot to do the takbir to the ihram in the beginning, you never entered the prayer in the first place. You just did a whole 10 minute prayer. And then you remember, I didn't do takbir to the ihram, you have to start again. Because you never entered in the first place. That shows the difference in importance. So then the next question is asked, well, if I enter the prayer in ruhuah, what do I do? Do I do Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar? Right? So a takbir to enter the prayer, a takbir to go into ruhuah. Then another question will follow, what if the Imam isn't in Ruqwa? What if the Imam is in Sujood? Right? So is it Allahu Akbar? Allahu Akbar. Right? Then another scenario would be given. What if you enter the prayer and the Imam is in a position in which there is no takbir to go to it? So for example, um, maybe the Imam is in the Tashahud, for example. You don't know what part he's in. 
is that, i.e., the question is, is there a takbir to be said other than the takbir for going into the work? Do you always say a takbir when you're joining the prayer for your movement? That's the question that we're going to cover today. However, before I cover that today, I want to deal with this uh, issue of the ruku itself. When can you be considered to have caught the ruku? Like uh, what positions, movements of the imam standing and whatever. So we'll just go through his opinion. He says that if you go down and you say takbir before the imam says or does anything, there's no debate. And indeed, there is no debate, right? So that means that your, your imam is there and hasn't done anything, which means move, and hasn't said anything, which is Alright? Now these are two aspects of the same the same thing, right? Which is called Rafa. So the next Rukan. So you have the first Rukan, which is uh, or one Rukan, which is the Rukur itself. Right? The next the next Rukan or obligation on uh, pillar of the prayer is to actually stand up. Is to actually stand up. Yeah? For that thing to actually happen, to stand up, um, you're moving from one complete state to another complete state. And the way that you would uh, move happens by a statement, him saying, <coughs> or actually standing up. The question is, what is given consideration? You know what sunnah? What sunnah is to go, What do some people do? Right? Speak first, stand later. Stand first, speak later. This doesn't help the situation. We've now got to work out what is the active whatever for us. Is it the movement or is it the statement? Does that make sense? Yeah. Which is the one that we've got from the scholars different? It's very difficult to work out actually. On what evidence would you be able to determine? Is it the statement that initiates the, 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 the next stage? Or is it the action that, that initiates the next stage? And Sheikh, uh, Sheikh Muhammad uh, seems to be going towards statement. First of all, what's the easy scenario for him? Because if the Imam hasn't moved and the Imam hasn't said anything, then there's no debate. If he hasn't said anything, hasn't moved, and you join him, okay, and you say Allahu Akbar as well, you're in. Because your takbir, the second one, right, is actually part and parcel of the ruku'ah. So you're in anyway, and there's, you've caught that rakah. In actual fact, Sheikh Uthameen goes further and agrees with the classic humbly position, the classic humbly position, which is there is no two, uh, two takbirs needed. That only one takbir is needed. The argument being that when you make that first takbir, it encompasses the second one. This is the big main one, and this is the second one. And their arguments, to be honest, is not very strong. They said that the, the, the takbir is of the same kind of genus, the same kind of species of our ibadah, therefore the two for the price of one occurs. The problem with this opinion, as Sheikh Uthameen will later say, is that they're not the same. One is done and has to be done while standing, and the other one is a moving uh, uh, takbir. In actual fact, if you did takbir to the ihram, the opening takbir, whilst moving, it is not acceptable, right? You have to be standing. A lot of people think that this part is the most important for takbir to the ihram. The hands are irrelevant in takbir to the ihram. The hands is the sunnah. What's important is to say Allahu Akbar. You could have your hands here and say Allahu Akbar with the intention of joining the prayer and you're in. But the other important ingredient is you've got to be standing. You can't be sitting unless you are praying a seated prayer. That's something different. But you know, you've got some people 
of what they do. You might have seen them. They, they, they are in their in their kind of mode of lots of rakats, uh, uh, yeah? And so they just finished and they're already into the next one. So they're standing up and they're kind of going Allah Akbar, you know, like this. So they're coming off the floor and they said Allah Akbar and they're not even anywhere near standing. And then their hands are down here when they're actually standing up straight. So this is unacceptable. So that's the first tabi, yeah? That's the opening one. Whereas the second one is part and parcel of a movement, al-intiqal, from one position to another. So we'd argue that they're not the same. And therefore, you should bring both of them. You should state both of them. And if you do state one or two, it doesn't matter. You have done the initiation of Rukwa. That's the argument of the Hanadila. The second scenario, he says, which is interesting, he goes, you say the takbir, finishing the Ra of Allahu Akbar, yeah? And you got to finish that before of the Samiya So you have to complete a bare minimum ra at the end of your Allahu Akbar before the even sound of the of Samiya If you are able to do that, even though you did not go down, so you're here and you said Allahu Akbar and you didn't go into Rukur and he didn't say Samiya Allah wherever he is, Sheikh Uthameen says, you have caught that unit. And Sheikh uh, Muhammad Mukhtar says, you've caught that unit. Because your takbir is the actual beginning point of the ruqwa. And you did that before him moving out of ruqwa. And what is he making his moving out of ruqwa based on? Sami Allah What is he making your beginning of ruqwa based on? Not your movement, but your Allahu Akbar finishing, not the start point. The third scenario that he puts forward is if he starts the semi Allahu in the scene before or during your takbir, so either like before you even started or you're in Allah and he goes semi Allahu, yeah, then it's too late. You've now missed that uh, 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 and therefore you've missed that rakah. When the, finish, the prayer is finished, you have to stand up and do another one. Um, the final one, this is interesting, is that you say takbir, like you say, Allahu Akbar, and he hasn't said Sami Allahu Liman Hamida, but is standing. So Sheikh Muhammad says that you walked into a masjid and you're looking at the Imam. And that happens, right? You're looking at the Imam and you're thinking, nah, I'm out of business. So you go Allahu Akbar, right? And you might go even say, according to Hanabila, you don't need to say another takbir, by the way. But you might have even said another takbir. You might have said, Allahu Akbar, even gone in. But he goes, you're looking at the Imam, and the Imam is standing, he stood up from Rukur, but hasn't said, Sami Allahu Liman Hamidah. Okay? And you haven't gone down. But you finished your Allahu Akbar, then um, you have got the raka'ah, he said. You have got the raka'ah because it is based upon some the tasmi'ah. Tasmi'ah means Sami Allahu Liman Hamidah. He didn't come with it. He might be standing up, but you finished your Allah Akbar entered it. He didn't exit from it. So that's, I think, something which is interesting uh, and just goes to show how much detail there is. Now, you might say, listen, that's way too difficult. How am I going to deal with that practically? The answer is, is that if you're not sure, then you just get up and pray another account. That's it. You know, it's not the end of the world. If you're not sure that you caught it, then you can just deal with that. More confident people, who are, you know, in tune with their fiqh and, and whatever, they will know that if you think that you got it, then there's no reason that you didn't get it. And that's it. 
But if you're not sure and you've got this, that, whatever, then just throw the data away and then stand up afterwards and, and add uh, another rakat. Now, on the top of page 177, Sheikh uh, 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 says that, we've already spoke previously, and that's what I just did right now. He said, we already uh, spoke previously. I want to just give a message to, to Shazad and uh, everyone that for some reason my page is not uh, refreshing. Unless Rehan is the last person who commented 15 minutes ago and you all die again because you think that we eat on all the sweets. I don't know what's happened there, Lama. Um, he said that we already spoke about the fact that Tabir al Ihram covers the uh, uh, second Tabir. You don't need to say it. And you've already said that if you make another Tabir, it's good, but it's not necessary. What about going to the other positions? He said there's two, there's, there's two opinions, he says. He goes, and it's a difference between these scholars that you go down into a seated position or you go down into a report or sujood position and you don't say takbir or you do every time that you go to any position you add a second takbir so it's not just for the report so these are the two opinions right anytime that you go down there's no uh uh Allah or if you do go down you must say Allah Sheikh says as for those people who uh uh, when you when you go down, you've got to make takbir. Their reasoning is because this is the same as, as if you're going into rukua. Just like when you go for rukua, you feel that you've got to say uh, Allahu Akbar. Then that that then that's what it is. Thank you, Widad and Bilal, for maintaining my sanity and saying that they're still there. Right. So and he says that when you go to uh, uh, rukua, then you say Allahu Akbar to enter the prayer, and you say Allahu Akbar to go into rukua. And if you are entering a person who's sitting down, so then you also are going to make takbir for entering into the prayer, and then you're going to make takbir for entering the sitting. As for those who said you go into your position and you don't make takbir, they said, well, your intiqalik min al-qiyam al intiqalun min al-rukhan ila ladiyalihi, fahuwa intiqalun fi mawdi'ihi. This is very interesting. This goes to show just how much detail this call is going to. He goes, they said, no, 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 no. When you enter into salah, when a person is done uh, in rukua, when the imam is in rukua, you are saying Allah Akbar because you are moving from standing to sitting. You are moving from one rukun to its next rukun. When you are entering the prayer and your imam is sitting down, you are moving from standing rukun, jumping three, five, seven, two, arkan, right? Because for example, you missed that rukun, you missed that rukun, you missed that rukan, you missed that rukan, you missed that rukan, and now we're in the rukan of the tashahud, or the obligation if it's the first tashahud, and if it's the second tashahud, then that's a, a rukan. So potentially your seven arkan gaps, he goes, what are you making takbir for? You see what I'm trying to say? He goes, the takbir is from one rukan to the next that follows it, you're jumping a whole load of them. So what, what what's the legal imperative? What are you trying to cover for from this one single uh, 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 takbir. All right. Um, so he goes, there's no takbir. Now, he goes, this thinking, this kind of analysis, scientific, and this is a really nice statement, by the way, for students. All right. I want to think about this. He goes, this uh, uh, position is very popular amongst the fuqaha. Right. And when he, when he says that, he's indicating that, you know, the top scholars, when they're sitting there discussing, debating things in this really kind of small fine print, then this is, you know, what is, uh, what is the, what he's uh, what he's thinking about? 
Mashallah, what a, what a manga, what a manga, what a manga. I don't know, I, by the way, I'm, I'm talking about the guy in white, not the guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I want to give this guy some, I haven't seen him ever. I think of it. This guy is Allah's Wali. He comes from a place that nobody knows of anywhere in the world. And he's the, he's the, the, the most intelligent smile I saw my entire life. And Jodri has lifted the bar high. <laughs> Jodri has set the bar high, but these are scholars now, scholars. So they said that this is mashhur and the fuqaha, meaning that it's like part of the musings. You know what I mean? Like this is the kind of stuff that um, you might not think is obvious. No, go into that detail that if there's six, seven arkan in the middle, why would you then make to feel? Yeah. Sheikh then says something very interesting. He goes, He goes, anyway, despite that, I want to say that if a person did make the takbir, going and jumping all these arkan during the prayer day, there's no problem with that. And the reason he said that is because there's no clear evidence to indicate what the truth would be. He goes, yeah, I recognize the fuqaha of creating some kind of clever little rule there that, oh, if it's plus one arkan, then you don't need to make takbir. But that's not really a, you know, divine evidence. It's just a bit of clever thinking. And so when you have this kind of possible optional istidlal ideas, right? Then you don't take it that seriously. Uh, there's no, as Sheikh says, no there's no clear evidence to indicate what the what the actual uh, correct position would be. Uh, all right. Um, and then actually he says, yeah, and he goes that uh, there's no doubt that that uh, 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 it's safer to be able to make the takbir. Uh, uh, safer if you're going into another position to make the second one. And I want to say, even though the Hanabila say that it is sufficient, it's acceptable to just do one takbir at the beginning when you're going for the court, always you should think like that. If not for legal reasons, certainly for spiritual ones, right? Because you see, um, and I, I'm glad actually that this came up in Medina, right? Because I don't know, I, I tend to feel that you feel it more in Medina than you feel in Mecca because uh, Mecca, everyone sees as such a bigger masjid and such a more difficult one to navigate that automatically you leave earlier for it. It's like that situation of being too close to the masjid, right? You, uh, uh, you know, you always say to yourself, I'm going to leave close to the masjid, I want to walk, I want to walk. And those are the folks who are always latest to salah, right? <laughs> I remember when I was in, uh, uh, an onsite, yeah, on the uh, Rainbow Road, yeah, Mecca masjid was literally how many minutes? One minute? Always, yeah, you're missing the Quran. Whereas, Chido now have to drive and I know I have to drive and uh, it's going to be some traffic and I know there's going to be a problem with parking and I'm on a Paris morning from the beginning. I'm setting off early and I get there early. And that's just human nature, human nature. So in Mecca, you know, it's like, you know, people blocking doors, closing doors, massive missions, gaps, God knows what, rules, apps and whatever. So people set off early and they pretty much end up early. Whereas Medina does feel like your local kind of... You know, you can just come down the, the down the stairs, down the escalators, and walk straight in. Even though, of course, it's not that simple. So people take it a little bit too easy here. And what happens? You find people often late for salah. And what happens then? They start panicking when they know what they're meant to do. So everybody knows or should know that you can't just rock up on the side or in a little corner or outside. You're obligated 
because of what the Prophet said, to complete the first rows and then the ones next. You've got to complete, complete from the front. Especially when you know that it's empty inside. So if someone is saying, you know, you can pray here, pray there, you're not allowed to be doing that when actually you know inside is empty. They're not blocking you. It's something else if security or authorities say you're not allowed in. And they do that a lot in Mecca. And that's okay. Once they do that, then it's okay if we just pray in the buried parts outside, in the courtyard, on the carpets. But when they're not saying anything at all, and you're just doing it because you see people doing it, or you're just doing it because you're panicking or about to miss another rakah, or miss, about to miss a second one, about to miss a third one, because it's like literally a mile to walk to the front, right? This is unacceptable. You've got to get there early. And if you're not getting there early and the prayer is going on, then you need to keep walking. And you've got to be calm and confident that every unit that's being missed is not one that should concern you. But human nature is that panic keeps building, keeps building, keeps building, and people then rush into the prayer. And you'll see so many people, when you're walking by, they just run to a place and straight in. So I said that uh, uh, if if not even, if not from a legal point of view of whether you need to do two tapirs, one tapir, the very minimal thing that happens from your spiritual quality points of view is that when you set yourself in the line and you say, Allah for Akbar, and you feel calm enough to now say, I am not going to rush this, I'm going to do another one as well, right? Almost to kind of tell yourself that, listen, my, my belief in the words of the Prophet is greater, is greater than my irrational panic. And it is irrational. Because if the Prophet is telling you that the person's prayer is according to their intention, that the person will catch the prayer as long as they actually catch the prayer, legally catch the prayer, as opposed to this mental idea that we've got to get a unit, you know? Who told you that a unit is the single most important factor, as opposed to the quality of the prayer, the feeling of the prayer? When you panic and you don't feel that the tranquility and calm that you should have, as the Prophet commanded, come to the prayer, the sakina wal waqar, that sense of sacredness. If you are not trusting that, and you are panting and you are rushing, you have a bigger problem. So I just, I, I find myself sometimes almost from a, uh, I don't know what the word is, I don't know how to describe this as an adjective, but I will sometimes slow down even more so just to make sure that I'm not risking the quality of my prayer when I join it. So it's something which I think is a, is a, is a, is, a, is an interesting point to reflect on. Right. Let's now just cover this part of that uh, according to the Hanabila, according to the Hanbali scholars, it is recommended to recite, not obligatory, right? When the Imam is reciting out loud. In the quiet prayers, of course, they want it, right? Like pretty much everybody does. But in the obligatory prayers, they don't make it obligatory like the Amin does, which is the minority position, as I've said now three times in this lesson. But the Hanabila still accept that it's, that it's good. And when, when do they say that it is required? Well, even, uh, by the way, I told you before that even in the Hanbali school, you have different opinions, different narrations, and some of them do obligate the recitation and most of them just recommend it. Even in the quiet prayers, not all of the Hanabila obligate the recitation of Fatih, which is fascinating in itself, right? But here we see now, that's the evidence right there from the Hanbali school. They're saying that even in the quiet prayers, it's not obligatory for the person to recite Fatiha, right? That's what they're saying. The second one then is Wasukutihi, which is happening in the uh, uh, loud prayers during the pauses, during the moments. And I used to say, I told you guys, oh, well, I took not you folks, but in class last week and the week before, that in uh, Shafi'i dominated areas, 
like Malaysia, Egypt, etc., you will find patterns of the recitation that are set up to allow the people behind to try to recite Fatiha. Whether it is ayah by ayah, so after every Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, pause, or you say Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, like this, or an exaggerated extended pause after Allah Dalin Ameen, five, six, eight seconds before surah is chosen. This is quite common practice. This is what would be referred to as a pause. Pauses are two types, by the way, an intentional and unintentional. So Sheikh Al-Zameen, for example, says if he sneezes. Now, if someone's sneezing, it's not the sneezing, it's the... That part, right? And then it doesn't happen. And that can be five seconds, seven seconds, and the scholars are debating that as well. Can you drop a cheeky alhamdulillah in that as well? Yeah, just, just drop it in. So the Sheikh says that it doesn't matter if it's, if it's an ikhtiyaran or ikhtiyaran. Yeah, and it doesn't matter whether he chose to actually pause because of you know, design or whether he was you know, not in control of it and forced to pause. From your point of view, you are going to uh, recite it. And then he adds at the bottom of the page that, anyway, from my point of view, you've got to recite regardless whether he's pausing, not pausing, what's that, what, whatever's happening. Now on the issue of um, uh, distance. If you are far away from the imam or, or there's no loudspeaker, and it's a loud prayer, then somebody say you've got, you've got to recite. When I say God to meaning it's recommended to recite because you can't hear, basically, because you can't hear. The key thing to uh, uh, point out here is that everybody's suffering the same problem because the next says, the next thing, uh, statement is not because of some kind of individual problem. Tarash is like a summon, like a person who's deaf, right? A person who has hearing problems. Now, uh, this is interesting how the Fuqaha looked at this. They said that if a person has like a deaf problem or a, a deafness or a hearing issue, um, then what, what happens? If we're going to make you recite, you're going to end up disturbing everybody. Because by nature, what you do is you increase your, you know, you know what just happened to us recently in a trip where I've been shouting at someone with the, with the headphones in? I'm sure I was. Then I took the headphones off. And uh, you just don't, you're not aware. So when you're not able to hear things properly, you're artificial. And that's, of course, why the Fuqaha said that, and, I mean, who knows? But that's why they said that Bilal put his fingers in his ear, in one narration like this, and one narration like this, because by nature, when you do that, you improve or you increase the, 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 the loudness of your voice. Even though your intention, you're saying it very loud, you will actually do it louder by closing your ears. That's one of the explanations for that. Regardless, Sheikh Uthameen says, if you have a specific problem, you are not recommended to, re uh, to recite. If you have a specific problem, then you are not recommended to recite because you will disturb other people. He even says that, uh, however, in a crazy situation, he goes, yeah, and I don't know if that's possible, he says, but if everybody was deaf in the congregation, then everyone would recite because in this scenario, nobody's being disturbed. So I just want you to understand that from his point of view, it's an issue of disturbing other people. Okay? All right. Um, then Sheikh says uh, that if the Imam is reciting, then you should, like, and I mean reciting meaning he's already started Fatiha in Maghrib, for example, and you joined the prayer a little bit late. Dua al-Istiftah, which is a sunnah, subhanakallah wa bihamdika wa tabarakasmuka, and these are to be recited. It is good to recite them, okay? Whilst the Imam is reciting. And Shaykh is like, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
has commanded us to have this insult, which is this very, very focused listening and silence combined when the Quran is being recited. And that actually prohibits theoretic, well, technically, it prohibits the Quran even being recited whilst the Quran is being recited. That's why the Prophet turned around in that prayer, who's trying to, you know, mess with me with their Quran whilst I'm reading the Quran, making me get mixed up, right? So that's the Prophet stopping them reciting. And then obviously the debate about then don't do that except for the mother of the book. That makes it complicated. Obviously, we spent the last couple of lessons on that. However, if this is being said for the Quran, what then about subhanAllahumma and anything else? That's obviously even more likely to, to be a problem because it's not anywhere near as important as the Rukhan of Fatiha, right? So anyway, Sheikh says that um, the correct position, the correct position that a person would not say subhanakallahumma bihamdika if he joins the prayer late. And he should listen and he should not over overplay this. And as for the ta'awwul, uh, then he says, well, you're going to have to say that anyway, because that's part of Fatiha and you have to recite Fatiha anyway. Right? So, Sheikh Uthameen does not want al Allahumma to be recited over Fatiha, but he does want you to say your own Fatiha. He's quite happy for you to delay that or use the gaps or any other moment, but he knows that it has to be said. And he correctly says, rajim." for the first time you start reciting, is part of that Fatiha anyway. This all should be considered as part of that Fatiha because you don't recite Quran before you make that Ta'awud anyway. And he also says something very interesting too. He goes, if the Fatiha finishes from the Imam, there is no place for al-istifta asr, meaning that there is a time limit, according to Sheikh Al-Tamin, on when you say subhanakallah wa bihamdika. If that surah is finished, he says that, um, uh, uh, that uh, for, for if he is reciting the surah alati ba'd al-fatiha, fa'innahu yasqutu anhu al-istiftah. That if you have entered into the surah after al-fatiha, then the reciting of istiftah has now been, has been dropped anyway. It's been dropped anyway. Okay? So, um, Sheikh Uthameen says, according to the, 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 the Hamri Madhab, they, they're saying that you would recite anyway. We're saying you shouldn't recite anyway. As for me, I'm telling you, Sheikh Uthameen saying, you have to recite Fatiha regardless. But the Subhanahu you don't need to. Okay? Um, now we're getting into an interesting uh, uh, and quite technical subject, actually. And I wonder whether we should uh, uh, start it. But I think that we'll just do one page and then we'll leave it for the, uh, the details for the next one. Sheikh says, وَمَنْ رَكَعَ أَوْ سَجَدَ قَبْلَ إِمَامِهِ فَعَلِهِ أَنْ يَنْفَعَ لِيَأْتِ بِهِ بَعَدَهُ That if a person goes for ruqur or goes for sajda before his imam, then he has to come back up, get back up to where he was so that he can actually follow with the Imam for that, which is meant to be after that, okay? So this is basically just a single move before the Imam. So this is Imam, for example, who's on the way down or hasn't gone down for Ruqwa, and he goes into Ruqwa. Then he's looking and he's realized, what am I doing in Ruqwa? So he has to get back up and stand up so that he can then follow, because you're not allowed to get in front of the Imam. So he's got to go back and reset, let the Imam come down, then come, then go down himself. That's basically what this statement is about. And the next one or two lessons is going to focus 
on all of the variations of this, i.e. a person going to the ruqwah and not knowing that he's there, a person doing it whilst being aware of doing it and staying there, a person who goes down and comes back up before the imam has even started, separate situation, a person going down to two or three arkan after, before the imam has started, we need to break all this down in a very technical sense. We start with just for tonight, just the easy one. So the Sheikh says, this is men, meaning any single person that goes into ruku or sujood before his imam, he's got to get back up, get back into that position so that he can follow as a, a raqiyah or, or a sajid. And this is obligatory, it is absolutely obligatory for this person to do that. Okay, absolutely uh, uh, obligatory. And Sheikh says that um, if you were to continue on that sujood or that ruku'ah, this would be a sajda or a raka'ah that's not recognized in the sharia. It is an illegal act. It has no basis. It can't stand. The Prophet said, That when he goes for ruku'ah, then go for ruku'ah. When he goes for sajda, then go for sajda. There's no such thing as doing it before that. So therefore, we have obligated, obligated Sheikh says, to a person to return back up to the standing uh, position. Um, Sheikh says that, according to the statement of our author, it's clear that this act is haram. To go to ruku'ah uh, or sujood or to pray too quickly, to get ahead of yourself, this is a haram act. It is a haram act. And Sheikh says, and that's absolutely correct. In fact, Sheikh Uthameen says, he goes that actually this is from the major sins. This is not just a haram act not just a problem, but this is from the major sins. Because the Prophet ﷺ said, Do not go for ruku'ah until he goes for ruku'ah. This is uh, 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 prohibiting someone. La. And the la of prohibition in principle indicates impermissibility. And uh, it, he says, and if a person was to say, this is actually from the, the, the major sins, he wouldn't be too far off. Love you, again, because he wouldn't be too far off. Why? Because the Prophet ﷺ in the famous hadith said, uh, um, doesn't, wouldn't a person who uh, was um, uh, lifting up his head before the lifting up of his imam, meaning coming up, yeah, uh, being too quick, being too swift on these movements, does he not fear that Allah would change his head to the head of a donkey, or to change his face to the face of a donkey, or the image, or put his face into the image of a donkey. So this hadith is um, collected by uh, by Bukhari, and I will check the uh, uh, reference, because I don't have it here, but it is in the Sahih. And uh, Sheikh says that this is a threat. And in the discussions of punishment, in the fiqh of punishment, quote unquote, any threat that comes um, is an indicator of something which is a major sin as opposed to minor, i.e. not something that can just be dealt with by, uh, you know, uh, a, a little dua or good deeds or the prayer expiating. It's not a small sin. It requires tawbah. It requires a formal execution of repentance, a formal process act before it can be uh, forgiven. That's a threat. Also, the scholars mentioned... Um, but not, they didn't all agree on this. But scholars said that whenever you're compared to an animal, that's also a sign of a major sin, right? So, and we see that, Prophet said, don't yani, make the 
the the sajda, like the sajda of the dog. You know, he sits down and you know the, the elbows are on the floor and everything's on the floor. And uh, don't take the gift back. Yeah, you like the one who the dog you're taking back his uh, thingy and uh, don't uh, peck in the prayer like the fuck. Every time you see an example of the uh, animals um, uh, used, most of the time, most scholars agree that this is also a sign of a uh, a major sin. Yeah, and from the Kabbalah. Okay, um, and I think uh, I think that's uh, ah. Also, Sheikh says something else. Let's actually finish uh, at a at a proper spot. Um, I like this actually. He goes, it doesn't matter whether the narrator had doubt about this because he said, would you not, uh, 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 does a person who lifts their head up, don't they fear that their head would be changed into a donkey or that their face would be changed into uh, the face of a donkey? The doubt was not from the Prophet The narrator of the hadith can't remember what example the Prophet gave. He didn't know whether he meant the physical change or an actual visual kind of change or defacing of some sort. And Sheikh Adameen says that here, it doesn't matter whether the Prophet uh, whether the narrator had doubt, because either one of them is serious enough, or whether this was to indicate a doubling of the of the problem. Yani it's a very serious issue. So the Prophet did actually use both phrases at the same time. This is something which is a haram act. Sheikh Adameen then says, there's a second opinion in this issue. The second opinion in this issue is that it's not just haram, but your prayer is invalidated. So if a person was to go into ruku'ah before the imam or to come up before the imam, the prayer is invalidated completely. And that person at that moment needs to realize that and start the prayer again. So you need to stand up and say, Allah Akbar, start the prayer as a new latecomer and then make up all the rest of the units afterwards. That's the position of Sheikh Uthameen, and he is very happy with this position because he found it with Imam Ahmed. And when he found it with Imam Ahmed, he gives a reference to a small uh, treatise of Imam Ahmed, the Risalat al-Salah, and he said that Sheikh, uh, Sheikh Uthameen quotes Imam Ahmed saying, which is a very controversial statement, actually, which is, he's quoting Imam Ahmed saying, how on earth can a prayer be valid when a person is a sinner? And we've spoken about this in the last 10 years a number of times, the connection between sin and validity. And the scholars disagree on that, okay? They disagree that not always, and Sheikh Adrian, in fairness, has maintained a constant line. In his opinion, when something is haram, then it's really hitting the validity of the action. Whereas other scholars would be putting forward, and I have to say, I'm myself more sympathetic to that opinion, which is that, yeah, you've ruined the act, but you don't need to repeat it again. Right? You might be doing haram things, you might be doing things which are not permissible, that might uh, lead you to sin or might lead you to whatever. But to say to repeat the prayer again is a big, big act, big action, right? Um, uh, um, I, I, I mean, I'll, I'll open that door now, I'll give the example, but it's not a great example because it's controversial in itself. The example of a person who's fasting and not praying properly, right? Now, Ramadan is full of these folks that don't get it, still not great on their prayer, but they hold to the fast. Now, there's no doubt that that's as haram as it gets. Then, is this now affecting the validity of the fasting? Some scholars will say it's not affecting it at all. What it has been, because it's not preconditioned. It's a separate act, separate not. Others will say it's a moot point because the person's not praying his cap, but anyway, so his fasting is not even accepted in the first place, right? 
and that's legit what Sky has put out there. And it's, a, it's probably the strongest out of all the opinions from a legal point of view. And then there are others that say that the person's fast was valid, but he got absolutely nothing out of it. Meaning that you didn't, uh, uh, you know, you didn't gain anything other than hunger and thirst, as the Prophet said. You know, he didn't actually achieve what he meant to achieve. Anyway, Sheikh Uthameen, he says, um, for this person, if he does actually lift himself up from sujood or the or before the imam, then it doesn't matter. The ruling is the same. If he comes up and he knows that he did that, that if a person does that, was aware, wasn't crazy, wasn't forced, knows that he did that, then the prayer itself is uh, uh, invalidated. And this is al-qawl-sahih. This is the correct opinion. This is Sheikh Uthameen's position. He goes, as for the Hanabila, then in their, in their opinion, that if uh, a person did this, the prayer is not invalidated. The prayer is not invalidated. He just is obligated to get back up into their right position. Okay, obligated so that the next thing can then happen and the next act can then be followed by the Imam. I'll just end on, we'll take some Q&A, but um, uh, I do think that we've got a real problem with this, right? Uh, a problem with the way that we perceive following the Imam. Both problems. Uh, uh, obviously, uh, a large number of half of you now have just come from um, Aksa. And you've seen how strict those uh, folks are on the Shafi'i Madhah. You saw all the things you're not used to, the Qunwuds uh, in the Fajr prayer regularly. By the way, you did notice that the, 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 guys that you, the guy you liked, you know, the reciter, yeah? he didn't do it, right? Yeah, he's one of your boys, that's why. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know, I, I don't know who he is, but obviously he's one of the, it could be like a Saudi or something, I don't know. He's one of those kind of singing songy boys, yeah. So, whereas my guy, you know, the one who can only do two words, you know, you're not attacking Jeff with AP because he can't really complete one at a time. You want to go and see my guy over there, he does two words, two words at a time. Sit by legend, right? <laughs> so, um, uh, uh, you saw, uh, many of you would have noticed in the, in the, in the salams, you're making salams and everyone is frozen to the spot, right? And then after the Imam finishes the second one completely, then they're saying Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi Now, obviously, there is, there is a discussion. There is a valid debate to be had. But this is where it's getting out of control. When people see that, they start to become quite comfortable. Wallahi, I'm telling you, uh, uh, on the last night of Aqsa, Masjid Aqsa, um, there was a guy in front of me. Um, I don't know what country. I, I, I want to say one of the Caucasus kind of regions. Possibly, could have been Uzbeki, could have been Kazakh, yeah, I don't know, or something like that. In front of me, my guy, all the way through the prayer, was praying his own prayer. <laughs> <laughs> like he's at least 30, 40 seconds behind the email. In everything. Like in everything. And I thought, yeah, he must be mentally kind of, you know, some problem or something like that. He turned around, looked at him, and, you know, he's trying. Yeah. You seem like we're all making different this, that, whatever. You, you finish the salah like at least 30 seconds after everybody else. So I thought, you know, I didn't, I, I was looking at uh, some channel with the word of them or not. And then the, the, the Imam made the announcement for Janazah. Right? So I said, all right, you know, forget this then. If after Janazah there's a thing, I'm going to sit him down. SubhanAllah, this is my intention. I'm going to sit him down and say, bro, listen, we to chat. Yeah? We stand up for Janazah. He's in front of me. Okay? And the uh, Allah Akbar, we start. Allah Akbar, second one. And then third one. And then my guy, 
He made his own fourth one and he got off. <laughs> <laughs> the exact opposite of how you prayed the first prayer. So the normal fourth prayer, you finish after the Imam. The Janazah, he finished himself. <laughs> I was bamboozled, bro. And I was heartbroken because I'm waiting to grab my guy. So he's like, probably about a minute before the Imam ended, he decided to make his own tapir. Then he just got up, he just walked through, and he's gone. Left the gap in the thingy, prayer's gone, and obviously the rest of us all bamboozled, the guy next to him, for whatever. And then the Imam finishes the prayer. We're all looking around. My guy's special case. <laughs> so anyway, um, I mean that's obviously an extreme example, but I think, I think, you know, I was in Egypt recently. The reason I want to make this point is that you'll be surprised how easily you fall into it. And I don't mean the quick ones. People are always thinking, oh, it's the pack kind of, you know, always. And there's no doubt. That's a real problem. Yeah, there's no doubt. But I want to say amongst the practicing people and the younger people, I think the bigger problem is the other side, delaying. All right, you know, delaying under the pretense of I'm in a spiritual moment or I'm in a good set moment, especially in session. It's a big trap. I advise myself and you folks, it's a big trap, the dua moments, okay? And I myself was pulled up by a person, by Saudi, in Egypt in one of the most random mosques ever. So I'm there like a month ago, maybe, six, uh, 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 June, I mean, six, June, June or July or August. I can't remember any, but it was hot. And I, I thought to myself, man, you know what? I'm just going to jump into this mosque here, side mosque, whatever. And I'm just going to hang around a little bit. It was just hot. Then they started praying early, so I was praying. And um, a, a short guy kind of comes uh, uh, next to me afterwards. And I finished the prayer and he finished the prayer. We're doing the cup and he turns around and, you know, he gives salam. And I said, salam. And he goes, where are you from? And I told him, blah, blah, blah. And then he goes, listen, he goes, did you know what you were doing? <laughs> he was like, I was like, wow. You know, I'm from Paris now. You get Paris, right? So I said, um, no, Staffelah, sorry. Sorry. Sorry, 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 sorry. That's complete. I just completely fabricated that. No, he didn't say, do you know what you're doing? He said, do you know the... Uh, do you know the ruling of following the Imam? <laughs> Do you know the ruling of following the Imam? When he said that, okay, because obviously his accent was Khaliji, right, Gulf, yeah, like here, like not Egyptian basically. So I'm thinking that he is, you know, watching these guys, bamboozled by the whole thing, you know, that they delay a little bit, right? And, you know, he's obviously Khaliji Hanbali or whatever he is, and he's like, you know, bemused by the whole thing. He wants an explanation of the, of, of, of the situation. So I go, oh, yeah. So these guys, you know, they follow the Shafi'i school, and the Shafi'is are the ones that delay the most, and this is the reason. Then the Hanaf are the opposite, and they have to get together, and that's why sometimes they get in front. And that's for the Hanaf, this, that, blah, blah, blah. Wallah, I went on for five minutes. I got played that the kipper, bro. Believe me, I got played. <laughs> I missed it completely. That the guy knew fully what, what I was talking about. That like he just wanted, you know, snap me up, basically. I didn't realize this. He goes, oh, okay, did you see what you were doing? <laughs> I was shocked, Yanni, you know? I, then I realized that he wasn't interested at all in the flip of the issue, but he tried to create that little bit of a rapport and see whether I know, you know, or am I just ignorant, ignorant? 
So after he's made me commit myself and embarrass myself saying, I know this situation back to front, he goes, did you see what you're doing? And I go, what did I do? He goes that you gave Salah maybe about 10 seconds after everybody else. I said, me? <laughs> he goes, yeah, about 10 seconds after everybody else. And that's after the Egyptians did it, not me. <laughs> so they already got a two, three second delay on their side and you added another 10 seconds. And I sat there, I was completely in a state of shock. And I went like this, I remember, I was like this, thinking, thinking, thinking. And I said, you know what, you're absolutely right. I, it came to me and it goes back to the point that I'm making. The dangerous parts for us folks is the dua moments. And you got these two dua moments. You know, when we talk about salah, I've always told you that the two empty moments that you kill the dua, sajda, end of the prayer. And you get carried away. These are the areas that we make our mistakes in. So you just spend a little bit extra time making a little bit, just because it's a nice position to be in. Both are very emotionally powerful. The sajda, for obvious reasons, is the, the greatest position ever. You feel so comfortable there. You feel so vulnerable. You feel so much yani, indebted to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It flows. That's why the Prophet said you're closest to your Lord in that time. But the end of the prayer is the un, you know, uh, underrated one. You've got that sense of desperation. The time's running out. There's a silence that hits yani, that everybody, you know, it's a, the people are waiting kind of silence. It's very special. And the Prophet ﷺ in the hadith Sahih said, and let him ask any man Right? So whatever you ask for, it's an open moment. You get carried away. And you've got to be disciplined. When the Imam is saying, Salaam alaykum wa you've got to realize, listen, you ain't bigger than no Imam, and you ain't bigger than the hadith, and just give salams and stop. Like you meant to, don't fall on the holy pious act that I'm going to keep on going, keep on going, I've got so much to ask for, blah, blah, blah. So nobody say from it. And as a reminder, when it comes to this issue of following the Imam, following the Imam is following the Imam. As soon as the Imam goes to position, you go position. As soon as he says, Allah, then Allah. As soon as he says, don't go before, don't do it afterwards. Wallahu ta'ala All right, folks, any questions on the subject? And then we'll do uh, maybe some just general Q&A about things that are coming up. Anything on this subject? Yeah. So the sound was cutting off under the last. So if we, yeah, yeah. So, um, if that happens, obviously not doing it intentionally, mm. is that still a major sin? Uh, you mean sound cutting out and then a person guessing where they are? Yeah. Yeah, which is not the same though, no. right? That's very important. So if the sound, so there's there's two things I want to say about that. First of all, how do you solve that issue? But but before I say that that this is not to be, this is not the same chapter. If a person um, is not sure where they are, they're never in front of the Imam. Let me make that clear, yeah? As for when that happens, then you have two positions. Um, both of these two positions are only to be activated once it's absolutely sure that this is an irretrievable situation. Because it's different when the sound cuts out during recitation, right? Person can piece it together, what's going on, then it comes back, then it cuts out, then it comes back, but you know that you're still in the Fatiha, you're still in the Surah, it's no real major problem. You've got to make sure that it's a problem. A problem is, is that, you know, when you hear silence and you're still standing and then you hear Samya Allah, right? And you know that a big portion is cut out and, you know, so first of all, you've got to confirm the problem. Now, once the problem is confirmed, you have two positions. The first position is that you will yeah, immediately go to a single individual prayer. So you will pray by yourself according to where you are. You have now broken free from the imam of the imam, right? The, the protection of the imam. 
Now he's gone his way, and you now just carry on praying by yourself, even if the volume comes back, even if the sound comes back, even if they, even if you finish before, like you finish and suddenly salams is given, irrelevant. You are by yourself. The second uh, approach is that a sister, and that's much more rarer, and that's why I always advise to the first one, is that one of the ladies steps forward and she takes over as the imam of the jama'ah. Okay? These are the two positions of the contemporary scholars in answer to this. It's a contemporary problem. This one. All right? Because obviously, before, we never used to have this thing of men in one part and women stuck in the boiler cupboard. Yeah? There used to be man and women in front. The voice goes, you can still see the guy in front of you. You're not, not lost. When you're putting people behind walls and rooms and houses and whatever, whatnot, then they're isolated there. Of course, then at the uh, at the whims of, of, of all these kind of things happening. So I prefer that a person breaks the prayer and prays by themselves. They get the reward for their intention of Jama'ah and they can finish, finish quick as well and go home. Happy days. Right. Any other questions? Yes. I had a question. When you were talking about um, catching the Ruku, whether it's with the movement or with the sound of the Imam. Yeah. Um, and you're saying that there's no kind of specific delil. There isn't a specific delil that scholars can go back to other than technically say the raw sound ends here and mm -hmm. so yeah. So would you not look at what the actions of Rasulullah the Sahabas or the Tabi'een like do you know that the opinion of Ahl Medina like this or this would you not kind of be going then? So here's the problem that when they come to this uh, position, mm -hmm. it's because they have so many positions of the Tabi'een and the Salaf and Ahl Medina. It's because they differ. This is when you see such a uh, uh, a difficult issue. Is because we don't have a consensus or clarity of thought from the companions. And actually, when you think about it, it makes sense. Because what are you going to go by? Is it a visual thing? Is it an oral thing? A you are, okay? Is it based upon, is the ruling based upon that? You can argue both sides. You can argue both sides. Yeah. Um, I have to say, you know, for example, the Imam misses out a, a, a unit of the Salah. And, and you've noticed it, but he's... Sorry. What do you mean? So, for example, it's a four-rakat salah, yeah. and he's done three. Oh, yeah. So, what happens then? So, you've got to tell him. Okay. Yeah? You know how we're going to tell him? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not that nice, but you know what I mean. Bring attention to the imam, yeah? The men say, subhanallah, or alhamdulillah, or Allah, or anything that brings the uh, uh, attention. Uh, with that, you know what? I don't have the thing. If, uh, oh, man, I'm not going to do that. I don't have the exam results on a uh, thingy. We're going to have to do that next week with that. Sorry. Um, but we've got some great results and some good fun to speak about. Um, so, yeah, you, you would indicate that. You need to be certain, of course. And if you are, then you make your, you know, yourself heard. The imam uh, listens. We covered this, I think, in year eight or nine or something. A lot of detail to this. The imam is not obliged to follow you. The Imam considers if a second person jumps in, then the Imam is now in dodgy ground. Single person does not overcome an Imam. But a couple people put forward their opinion by making sound. The Imam has to seriously consider it, but again, still not obligated. And if they don't, then you finish the prayer. And there's a lot of detail. We covered it a lot. You need to go back and check that out. Nada uh, says, what if the Imam is so fast that you can't finish the Fatiha until they are almost at Sami Allah Muhammad? No, 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 wait a minute. Uh, uh, so if the Imam is reciting the Fatiha and you can't catch up and goes for Allahu Akbar, 
You're not waiting for some Allahu Ibn Hamidah. You have to go. It doesn't matter whether you only said Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, and he says Allah Akbar, you're going to go Allah Akbar as well. All of your obligations are lifted from you when the Imam is losing their mind like that. Okay? That's not your problem. That's his problem to deal with. All right? Someone who is in congregation. Um, oh, let us sing in the choir prayer. What if the. Hey, help me with this question, guys. What if the Imam is so fast you can't finish the Fatiha until they're almost at Samiyallahu Imam Hamidah in the quiet prayer? What does that mean? You are still reciting Fatiha, but the Imam is done with it. It's just recommended to recite, but the Imam's going too fast so you can't finish the Fatiha. Yeah. So the question is do you finish the Fatiha or are you going to recall? Yeah, but where does Samiyallahu Imam Hamidah come from? It was done the Rukhusa. You answered it. I answered it, right? Yeah, I thought I answered it. Yeah, okay, good. Crazy, right? Someone who is in congregation and said salam before the imam mistakenly, that's coming next week, uh, that's coming next week. Um, I was a bit, I'm, I was thinking, what is the position of Abu Hanifa and uh, Imam Malik on joining the prayers when imam is in ruqwa? Um, as far as I know, both imams consider it to be statement and not movement, as far as I know. But that would require me to do some review on that, okay? Not the position, but just like Sheikh Muhammad Mukhtar Shampiti put, uh, put it forward, that's exactly their position. Um, how do the uh, how do the Hanabila qualify their recommendation to recite the istiftah, even if the Imam is already reciting Al-Fatiha? Because they see it connected to Al-Fatiha, as Sheikh Uthameen said. Once that finishes, you are out of the zone of that dua. Does it make sense? I don't think it makes the most sense to me. Frankly, it doesn't. But then also, uh, uh, the, the truth is, is that they took a convoluted route around for that. Something which is recommended, why is it yani, being required to be said Aslan yani, in the front? So, um, you know, I don't think, I don't feel that that is a uh, point. Any other questions here? Yeah? So, you know, you were saying that somebody goes ahead of the imam, um, they might have kind of like, not quite right up here. Right. You mean like intentionally, but so believing? So for because when someone's not quite right, that's that's different because they actually believe that it's the right thing to do. Whereas next week, what we'll be covering is someone who does that by mistake or did another ruling. Okay. So I was just thinking that Allah enough so they will do the good and somebody might not have been paying for attention and went straight. You know what's interesting about what you just said there? Yeah. Did you notice how quickly he says Allahumma? Yeah, the dua that he, you know, like yeah. he's like yeah. uh Allahumma Liman Hamid Allahumma like this. Yeah. Intentionally because of knowing that they have all these non-shakas behind them. Not used to it, not ready for what's going to happen. Doesn't even give them a chance to go down mistakenly. Anyway, the person did that, that's okay. And that's what the Hamdi is talking about. It'll, it'll get clearer next week. Because if you were then on the way down and you realize, then as they said, you're obligated to stand back up again. So if you didn't do that, then do you have any such No, no. Yeah. Uh, no, you don't and we'll be covering that. Um, Bilal says, you are praying Ghahr Asr and you are in the middle of a verse and the Imam goes into the court. You finish the ayah or stop and join the Imam. You finish, you, you stop and you join the Imam. The command, there are some, that, so you see, you've got an issue here. Um, this is the difference between a prohibition and a statement. For example, the Prophet told us that there is no, there is no uh, prayer when the prayer is being established by the Imam. There is no, it's a statement of fact. Yeah. And that's why where, uh, when you see in, in the messages, a person come late for Fajr 
and they pray the sunnah even though the fard has started because they are Hanafis and they say you've got to maintain order and you've got to pray. The rest of the three imams say, how on earth can you do that? Because the prayer has been established. The Prophet said there's no prayer when the congregational prayer is established. So how are you praying another one? And despite that hadith, you'll find that scholars will say what? Well, if you feel that you could knock it out before missing out on the rakah, or if you've already started and you feel that you could finish it before missing out on the rakah, or missing out on the prayer, pretty much all the scholars will allow a person to do that. Look at the difference between that approach and a person who is reciting uh, the, the ayah or fatiha, and the imam goes for ruku'ah. The difference here is that the Prophet said, you must go for ruku'ah when he goes for ruku'ah. Not yani, a statement of fact, obligation. And in the other hadith, do not do this until he does that, meaning of prohibition. And so, in my opinion, it is required to stop right there, even in the middle of the ayah. Even in the middle of the ayah. You will not be held sinful as that, for that. Allah Yeah. Um, you know when people, uh, the imam is about to finish reading the surah, people drop their hands, like in preparing. Oh, yeah, yeah, because they know that the surah, is, yeah. Is that it's a good question? Ahead, or? That's a good question. That's a good question. It won't be a legal problem. And the reason it's not a legal problem is that it wasn't a rukan to, to, to have the hands here anyway. And having the hands down in the prayer is permissible anyway. So it's not a legal issue. It is though a bit more of a, I don't know, show off issue. A, I don't know how ways you can, it's not nice. Person should just, you know. Huh? Yeah, it doesn't feel nice. It doesn't like, feel nice. What are you doing? No, yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> exactly that, Jordi. You, you summarize it perfectly. What are you doing? That's it. There's nothing else to be added to that. Um, bit of an odd scenario, but it happens. So I might cover this next week. But uh, if the Imam in a loud prayer reads the ayah after the Fatiha and it has a sajda, right. he finishes at the sajda. Right. But he goes for rukur. People in the back thought. Yeah. Yes. But for sajda, yes. and they go for sajda, but yes. they don't realize until he says, Sami Allah, yes. Yes. they've missed the rukun. They missed the rukun. What do they do? Covered by the imam. So so they come back to... No, covered by the imam. Because there's no way now for them to go back to that whilst, they, whilst the imam is not going into sajda. So you've got, there's only two options there, isn't there? Right? What else can a person do? Either they stand back up and they like, do automatic prayer by themselves to catch up. Right? So... Mm -hmm. Uh, when they hear that the Imam has gone, Sabiyallahu alhamdulillah, right? They realize that they're in the wrong position, right? The Imam's now going to go down for sajda, enter into a whole different uh, zone. The, the guy's got two options now. Either stay exactly where they are or get back up shock and get back into that position. That's what I mean by carrying on with the Imam and it's now absolved his responsibility because the Imam is the one that didn't make it clear or it was a mistake that was done, as you'll see. Next week, it was a mistake that was done, not Amdan, it was Jahlan, mm -hmm. it was whatever. Or a person stands up and does the actions artificially, right? So the Imam stands in Sajda and he goes up and he goes in Rukur and stands back up and then goes in Sajda. Now, Aqal would suggest the second one. Because as you said, your surprise was, but hold on, he's missed out Rukun. Imam can absolve an obligation, no problem. Meaning that you forgot to say Allahu Akbar, for example, in the prayer. Or you forgot to say Subhanahu in the prayer. Or for example, this is one of the lessons of praying in congregation. This is why you should pray in congregation. If you're not good at prayer, pray in congregation, folks. Okay? Imam covers everything. 
That's the blessing of the Imam. Everyone agrees on that when it comes to obligations. But when it comes to Arkan, different bargain, right? They, the scholars, they differ, and rightly so. But it's not clear. It's not easy. Now, in my opinion, this is also the reason why the scholars differed so much on the Janazah prayer. Because of all of the prayers that this happens to, uh, the, well, Janazah and the Eid prayer. Okay, but Janazah, I would think, is more common. The issue that they're speaking about is the issue of catching up. Mm. The catching up issue in the books of Fiqh is highly debated. Whether a person starts at the beginning and lets the Imam finish and then makes Allah of the Tafirat, which hardly anybody does, what does everybody do? Do it themselves, don't they? Right? If the Imam is in the third Tafir and you know you're walking and you hear the first one, you hear the second one, you hear the third one, Everybody automatically goes into a mode which makes zero sense to what they do all the time with the normal prayer. With the normal prayer, what do you do? You go in, you know, I'll do up until the end, then I'll stand up and I'll make it. Tell me how many people do that for the Janazah prayer? Very few. And why did they change suddenly? Why did they change suddenly? Shaykh Al-Tamir has a big, big debate on this issue. Like, you, you, technically, you should be doing the same thing. You enter in, you start at the takbir that you, that he's at. Now, this is from our point of view, we'll say, how do you know what takbir is at? Unless you are late, kind of, you know, listening, you'll never know. Which is why I actually think that the hurried version is the correct version. Right? So you don't know where he is. I'm just going to go by myself and recite five, and then I'll go and recite the Rashid, and then I'll do it again. I, I'm guessing he's somewhere towards the end. And so I'll crunch it up in the middle and follow. And that's a valid approach. Now, if you follow that approach, then you would apply that backwards now to the prayer and say, get back up and do it quickly independent. But then they turn around and say, how on earth is this person following the Imam? Mm -hmm. So you've got fundamental principles clashing, making it a difficult scenario. I personally think it's okay for a person to just stay in there such that not having them to and they being swallowed. They're being swallowed by the Imam. If he did such a even better, if he went up and did it himself, that's fine as well. Yeah. Some people they get up before the Imam from the Sajda. Yeah. Imam has said Allah Akbar. They heard him, but Imam is slow in getting up. Uh -huh. And that person very yeah, fast. straight up, yeah. I mean they shouldn't do it, but does that invalidate the Well, we're gonna cover that next week, whether that invalidates the unit or whether it invalidates the prayer. Next week. Next week and yeah, on Wednesday, normal time. And those asking for Thursday uh, change, you're living in a dream world. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if, when they pray, there's the second imam that says the second Don't you dare call him an imam. Don't, don't you call him a follower. Don't you ever give props to that guy. I can't stand that guy, okay? So, uh, he, 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 this guy's called a mukabir, by the way. The one who is on the back. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you don't hear the imam. For us, I mean. Really? Sometimes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, not here, though. Not here, though. Shut up. Here. I played outside Shemuzifi and I couldn't hear him. No, no, outside someone else, bro. This is just outside the doors. And you're hearing the Mokabir because you're in a separate set? No, because Shemuzifi was doing the Lazar. Yeah. That's something else. No, 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 one second, one second. You're using a very specific situation. Shepardavi sometimes he recites and does the prayer for himself. <laughs> That's the only well known. And we're all sitting there, what do you do? That's something else. For him, yeah. I accept the mukabbir. Yeah. Wow. But for his today's thing going, ah, and then he goes, and then the other mind goes, ah, what's he doing? <laughs> the whole thing is a gospel. But, but if you are, I get that. I get that. 
That's your question. Sorry. Yes. Sometimes we don't hear it. Yeah, the, the original imam. That's that's. But by the way, that is why the second guy is there. The second guy is there as a backup in case the system fails, mics fail, person fails, right? And nobody can hear. So he is meant to be, as you said, backing up. Now, it's a good question. You are not legally connected to that guy at all. But if we do it too late, what does that mean? When he finishes the salah, and we're like waiting for the long guy. That's what that, that's what I'm trying to say. He has no legal weight. Yeah, he's there, isn't he? And he does think. Can you imagine if you're waiting for him? You finish the salah half an hour after the original salah. <laughs> The Imam goes to Allah, Ibrahim, Allah, 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 <laughs> yeah, no, no. So, so obviously, if you can't hear the first, if you can't hear the imam, then of course you're linked to him because you don't know any different. But you can hear the imam, can't you? You're following the first imam, ignore my guy. Really? A hundred percent. Completely ignored. Completely. Huh? Sometimes hard. It's going right, it's He's doing everyone's prayer, bro. In the prayer where, in, like, for example, you've gone for a sajda, and you're still going, oh, You've already finished your card there, what are you going to get up again? He's still, he's like, he's, he's, a, he's a law unto himself. Mm -hmm. Is it okay? You say about the du'a at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Are you allowed to just cut out du'a? Yeah, 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 yeah. If the imam gives a salah, that's the end. That's it. You can you can cut it a nice way. It's okay. And it's just <laughs> so we know the masjid is empty inside because it's already crowded and yeah. people are praying and you get the umbrellas outside. Yeah. Men's special. Yeah. Oh, not good at all. Not good at all. Not, not, I, I, they're not permissible in my opinion. Only unless they stop you coming in, which happens in Makkah. I don't think it happens in Right, yeah, Juma, like, we have to go to the website. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely, Masjid is always empty. Always empty. Except from Amal. Amal is in Sheffield, she's saying, I think there's white noise on the transmission. <laughs> <laughs> no, Amal, read what Amal said. With that, right now, I think that's the AC to calm down AD. <laughs> <laughs> Spot on. Spot on. Yeah. Yeah. It's really hard to figure out what Salah inside is open and has space because it's in the barricade and then by the time you go around, you figure out the Salah is not. You say the Salah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, in, in, maybe other masjid, maybe, but in the Haramain, I've never ever gone ever, as in ever, how many years have I gone? 30 years? I've gone into a masjid where it looks like it's full and there's not been 
plenty of space inside. What happens today? What happens today for sure? That one. That you went in. And I went all the way. It took me 10 minutes. Yep. It took me 10 minutes to go back out. Maybe <laughs> seven. And that pushed people out. So. Yeah. 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 It, seems, it, it seems that that's specific to the women's section. Because it's so small. Whereas the men's, I mean, you imagine the masjid. I mean, that's the masjid, right? This is what you guys have got. Whereas we have all of that. And when we go in, we've got this whole part empty, this whole part empty, this part completely packed. Now, for you guys, obviously, you've only got that. It's a, it's a straight rectangle shape as well. It's not, you know. Now, here, people are going all kinds of places and whatever. But so, obviously, it's... Uh, that's that, that's the cause, yeah. But it's the fact that they don't let us in, and when we stand up, there's gaps anyway, and they won't let us in. Yeah. For sure, there's gaps. Yeah. After everyone stands up. Yes, yeah. That's why normally, I, I mean, that's why you normally hang around. It was no, but if you, you yeah, it's packed whilst they were sitting down, right? I mean, I even went in to find spots for people, like, kind of taking, there really wasn't. No, no, but they were sitting down. It was oh, really hard. Bro, if you had just stood there, a thousand more people could have got in when they stood up. Yeah, but they don't even let you stand. Who are you going to let you stand? These women. That's what all my life I've been saying. These women. Come to the other day, we finally. These women. Honestly, if it wasn't for these women, life would be so much easier. <laughs> ผู้ใหญ่ครับอะไรเอาไว้ได้ทวีตเอาโอ้ยเดี๋ยวการนี้มาชาอัลลอฮ์ยังจะมาแฟนสปาร์คกันบ้างครับเด็กแบ็กท